This is the On Blast Podcast, Week 12, NFL Picks Edition. My name is Sheldon Alexander, and as always, I'm joined by my dude, Mr. Matt Russell. It's Thanksgiving week in the States. I don't even need to clarify that because it's just, we're talking football, so it's Thanksgiving week. Nothing else needs to be said. How are you doing, my dude? That's right. It's like regardless of whether you quote-unquote celebrate with turkey and whatever, we all have our own trend. Uh, traditions uh i remember you know a couple of um maybe not entirely authentic illnesses uh when i was a kid uh or frankly as an adult um staying home from school and or work uh in this case thankfully you know i'm at a point in my life where this is my work and so i i uh problem is of course we have to jam everything together in you know a usual five-day week kind of turns into three three and a half days. So a uh, little, a little crazy over here. A little, you know, a little intense, you know, are we including Thursday games into the round Robin money line parlay? Are we including any Thursday games into the best bets of the week? Honestly, I'm sitting here on Wednesday afternoon and I don't even really know the answer to that just yet. So <laughs> we'll see how this goes. There's still some time to figure it out as we are here to do Thanksgiving. This is one of my favorite weeks because there's so many just, I mean, I have to try to remind myself each and every year. Wait a second. Oh, yeah. Stupid Lions. Why do we got to watch the Lions on Thanksgiving? Although that's not as bad of a thing as it normally is week in and week out. But either way, we're here. For the people who might be brand new to us because there's going to be a lot of people tuning in to this pod trying to get some Thursday picks early Thursday morning. So for people who might be brand new to the pod, just let you know what goes on here. I come out here, I try to give out the Joe Public take, what my side is, where I'm leaning, lay a pick down, give you an angle of what to go on, and then Matt comes in with the education and information to let you know where the line is, where it came from, and where it could be going heading into kickoff. So far this season on the Sheldon Says segment last week, 5-7-2, and two, still trending, two back-to-back sub-500 weeks, but it's okay, it's okay, I'm not panicking. Matt's not panicking. Nobody's panicking because we know this is just the waves of the season. And I'm ready to get back on track. As you can see on the screen, if you are one of the people lucky enough to be watching our lovely faces on either YouTube or Twitch, first off, thank you. Salute to you. Hit us with a like. Why not? Simple and easy to do. For people who are listening, the record for the season sits 89, 67, and 8. Hey. I'll take that at this point of the season, heading into Thanksgiving. Let's go. And speaking of Thanksgiving, we get started with the Buffalo Bills at the Detroit Lions. The Lions Lions are underdogs on Thanksgiving at home. Where have we heard that story before, right? It sounds like a familiar thing. Uh, Every year for our entire lives, basically. Right. Bills nine and a half point favorites. And I got to say every year, I feel like I'm talking myself into taking the lions points each and every year, despite the fact they never win. When's the last time they won? Like 2016. They haven't Uh, won as an underdog since like Oh three. We're not talking about winning games here. And I feel like I could just play the same thing from last year's pod. We're not talking about winning. We just need the lions to cover. And some numbers I love under our man, 
under our guy, Man Campbell. Yeah. The Lions, 8-4-1 against the spread at Ford Field, including 5-0 against the spread as a home underdog of six-plus points. My Thanksgiving, Matt, normally begins with me getting mad at the Detroit Lions. And I'm right here again because yep. I'm on the Lions plus nine and a half. A I'm looking at this unlike, line, unlike any other. Yeah. Unlike any other. I need you to talk some sense into me here because I just don't get this, especially when I look at what the Bills line was last week in Detroit right. against the Browns. I'm still confused here. Help help me out here. I'm on the Lions, but should I be? Yeah, well, market number is nine. So nine and a half, certainly not crazy, right? Like 10, there's some 10s out there. I gobbled up. Speaking of Thanksgiving and Turkey and whatnot, I gobbled up Detroit plus 10. I am positive I'm going to regret that over the course of (laughs) Thursday afternoon. That's just a thing that, you know, again, tradition like any other. Jim Nance, I believe, will be involved because, you know, this is an AFC team playing, which I think that means that uh, that goes to CBS. So uh, if Jim Nance and Tony Romo are involved, it certainly will be a tradition unlike any other. Uh, A little nervous because Jeff Okuda doesn't look like he's going to play. And of course, he is their top corner for the the Detroit Lions. That is something that theoretically might come in handy against uh, Stephon Diggs and the Buffalo Bills. But the Buffalo Bills defense is banged up as well. And I think, you know, you mentioned the cover rate that the Lions have at home. And a lot of those, right, are of the backdoor variety. And we just watched, you know, you mentioned your record and a couple of notes on that as far as last week, five, seven, and two is one hand up my bad on Thursday night's pick of the Green Bay Packers. I flipped you on that game. And that's that caused you to go from six and six to five, seven, and two. That being said, I went eight and six on the week. So I'm still feeling pretty okay with it. So I didn't do a good enough job of talking you into some other picks here. Uh, and I'm not going to talk you out of this one. So this one, <laughs> the Bills have a bunch of injuries here. And there's sort of this element, and this is kind of anecdotal in a lot of cases, but with these double-digit favorites, or underdogs in this case, and I'm going to call this an under uh, double-digit underdog because of, you know, there are some 10s available. A lot of the times, you know, you sit back and you see these, you know, we and we've seen a ton this year where the massive underdog, like, wins outright often at home sometimes on the road like the commanders against the eagles but often at home like the panthers against the bucks right and then you sit back and you go like well like how did i miss not just at least trying them on the money line mm-hmm. and you kind of go like okay well have they won a game recently <laughs> you know like how outlandish was this like the commanders have been winning games you go okay they're a professional football team that beat other professional football teams leading into this game and just because we thought the eagles were so much better we thought they were incapable of winning that game And that's kind of the situation here with the Lions, right? Because the Lions are sitting here going like, we just won two road games against professional football teams, against a couple of teams that honestly people are getting pretty excited about in the Justin Fields healthy version of the Bears and the Giants, who like, again, you know, we talked about last week, things that I didn't get to, you know, talk you out of necessarily is (laughs) getting worse here. And yeah, I know the Bills are better than those teams. And I know the Bills just played in Detroit, but like they didn't stay in Detroit. They flew back to Buffalo to deal with all of the stuff that they had to deal with sort of you know, coming out of the snow situation. So, you know, they're missing practice. They're playing on a short week. They are doing they are doing travel, right? Like travel is an element in their lives, which we kind of thought the reason that this game might be in Detroit beyond obviously being close proximity is because they were going to play there anyway. And I'm sure some, you know, support staff stayed back in Detroit and all that kind of stuff. But like, there's kind of a lot going on here with with Buffalo, and they do have some injuries piling up defensively. And Detroit, for all of their sort of foibles on defense, 
they can take advantage of you offensively. And so, yeah, I think this game, again, going to be painful when it's 21 nothing at halftime and <laughs> three times, as they tend to do in those first tests. But, like, a lot of those games, man, were Matt Stafford was already out. Right, like he had already, he didn't make it to the end of November, and we were dealing with backup quarterbacks and this and that. Jared Goff's at least healthy this time around, so at least the Lions have their starting quarterback, which again they almost seem like they never do. And I don't know what happened back in two thousand and three. I was, you know, hate to sort of tell on myself here, but I was in university. I, that probably just scarred me for for life as far as being like, yeah, the Lions can pull it off. And I probably lost what seventeen, eighteen straight of these. Who knows? Uh, but yeah, back on the Lions here. Get the ten points if you know if you absolutely can. But uh, almost might be worth something on the old money line, mainly because I don't love a ton of underdogs necessarily this week. Ooh, okay. You know, I love the sounds of that. Uh, I also love the sounds of more Thursday night games for us. And you know, we're making it a holiday ourselves. Let's do it, right? Absolutely. Let's call for that. Why yeah. not? It's always been a holiday for me. More Thursday day football as the giants are at the cowboys cowboys laying nine and a half points at home two seven and three teams despite the discourse about both of these teams being a little bit different right cowboys rolled and they rolled against the vikings last week which i mean i was dead wrong on the vikings last week but hey we'll we'll get to them in a <laughs> sec i'll say that much I don't I want to focus in here on the Cowboys because we talk about Thanksgiving traditions and I would like to say that the last two Thanksgivings at least I have been yeah. left cursing yeah. the name of said Dallas Cowboys. Yeah. And now they sit here as nine and a half point favorites against a Giants team that is functional. You know, I, I I'm trying to remove this out of my mind, but in, in like just take the Cowboys for what they are which is a solid defensive team. They seem to be figuring out who they are on offense in terms of what Dak can and cannot do. But nine and a half points seems like way too many points for me for a Giants team that at least, you know, they play better on the road. They can run the ball. I like the Giants and the points here. Give me the nine and a half points. Can you talk me out of this one? Uh, I can try a little bit harder to, and honestly, part, part of it is anecdotal because you mentioned the last two Thanksgivings where Dallas has lost, where we actually had them just to win outright in the Circa Survivor contest. And so this is the annual, like, take the Cowboys and hate yourself. Of course, the bad, bad news is this time around, we were out in week two when the Browns couldn't hang on to a 14 or two touchdown lead. Uh, against the New York Jets. So we don't have to worry about that, which of course means the Cowboys are probably going to roll. Now, the, <laughs> the Cowboys could probably roll anyway without that sort of karmic element in all of this because you look at the the uh, New York Giants depth chart and it is rife with defensive back injuries, right? They had an ATV accident in their bye week that took out one of their DBs. Adoree Jackson goes out last week against the Lions. And so... What's left, you know, is you've got Ezekiel Elliott back for the Cowboys and, you know, everybody kind of makes fun of Zeke knowing that he's not the sort of best runner anymore on his own team, but he is the best pass blocker on his team and it allows the Cowboys to open up the offense a little bit more, right? And so you went from this offense that with Cooper Rush was very like, okay, let's keep it on the ground. Let's mix in Zeke and Pollard. Okay, Zeke's out. Okay, now let's go to Pollard a lot more and not sort of leave him vulnerable in pass blocking to get blown up and hurt either Cooper Rush or Dak Prescott. Mm -hmm. 
Prescott comes back, right? They now get uh, the tight end back, and now they get Zeke back to help block, and now they go back to wanting to be that team who throws the ball more than they run the ball, right? And so Jerry Jones gets in your head where he's talking about we only go as far as Zeke goes. And I don't know. Maybe he's crazy like a fox, and he's not necessarily talking about running the ball with Zeke. You can look at the player prop market and see that Pollard has a higher game total for rushing yards than Zeke does, right? So the market believes that from an actual carrying of the ball standpoint, Pollard is still going to get the more, you know, more of the carries, whereas Zeke is going to get more of the playing time so that he can block and sort of be available to Dak in the passing game, obviously in a variety of ways. Problem is, like, the Giants aren't going to have anything for that. Meanwhile, Evan Neal's still out at left tackle, and so they're going to have a problem protecting Daniel Jones as well. And so, like, this could get out of hand early. Now, you say, like, yeah, this is a lot of points. It's, you know, it's kind of a little bit out of control here. This is entirely, to me, a point spread built on teaser protection. My market number is eight and a half. My number is eight. But if you made this number eight and a half and you left it up there, if you made this number eight and you left it up there, I would be obliterating teasers with it. I would just be spraying the board with Cowboys teasers with anything that isn't nailed to the ground over the course of Sunday, right? We would be firing off just leg after leg after leg. And all I would request is the Cowboys to win by three points. Now, again, all we've asked of the Cowboys the last two years is to win by one point, and they couldn't do it against pretty flawed teams in the Raiders and the Washington Commanders. I, this is just, this feels like a spot where I'm going to be so bummed out that the Cowboys are killing the Giants. And why couldn't you have done it? Obviously in vastly different situations the last couple of years. I see you're switching right now. Again, it's a lot of points. I get it, man. But like the matchup is looking pretty rough here for a Giants team that honestly is, I think, is probably headed out of the playoff picture. And this is why the people come here for the information and education, because you find out about the injury updates that are available to us at the time that we're recording, the little insights, the little nuggets that you're not just going to get anywhere else where someone's just saying, take the Cowboys or take the giants or whatever, just a little nuggets to try to help you out along the way and hopefully flip a pick at one point to the next. Hey, just trying to help. And you've helped me a lot. And honestly worth hey. mentioning, like after losing all of these games <laughs> over the course of Thanksgiving's, you know, past the Cowboys know it's kind of an embarrassment, right? Yeah. They, oh, yeah. they witness it, right? They witness the crowd getting bummed out every year when they lose. <laughs> if there's an opportunity to run up the score here, mm -hmm. like they did against Minnesota on Sunday, they're absolutely going to take it, right? They're going to shut, try to shut everybody up as if we just forgot about the last, what, 20 years of watching these games, right? Like we all expect the Lions to lose. We never expect the Cowboys to lose, at least from a market standpoint. They often, if not always do. This one might be trouble for the Giants. I think there's some step on your throat type potential here for the Cowboys because of the situation, knowing that we're all captive audiences on Thanksgiving. Oh yeah. The, the montage of sad Cowboys fans, a tradition unlike any totally. other for sure. Uh, Sunday night or sorry, Thursday night. I'm still, I'm still confusing the days of the week. I don't know what's going on. We're super <laughs> busy here. It's Thanksgiving. There's three yeah. games going on in the middle of the week. I'm fired up. It's like one week just ended. The next week just started. Here we go. Patriots at Vikings, Vikings at home favored by two and a half points. Seems like a little bit of a trap for me anyways, I feel like, because the Kirk Cousins in prime time, we're going to be seeing that and talking about that all day long on Thursday. 
But also we add in the fact of what Bill Belichick is known to do against QBs that, you know, might have the attributes of a Kirk Cousins (laughs) and how much they might struggle versus Bill Belichick. All those things aside, totally understand it, totally get it. But I just don't know how many points Mac Jones and the Patriots offense will be putting up here. And with that, I look at it and I just say, okay, well, Minnesota, it's under three points. Cousins doesn't have to be great. He doesn't have to be exceptional. I don't know how much of the the Patriots Jets games people watched last week, but that was an abomination of offensive production in that Absolutely. game. And for that alone, at under a field goal, Kirk Cousins can do his foolishness, and I feel like they should still be able to cover three points against New England Patriots. So I'm laying the, the two and a half at home and – Again, hey, by the time this game comes around, I'll be a, a, a couple pops in. So <laughs> it'll be easier to deal with the bleepery of Kirk Cousins in prime time. Yeah, it's funny, right? Like we all look forward to this day and this is going to be so great, like a day full of football and all this stuff. And then it's like, yeah, but it's really just one house of horrors after another, right? And like, hey, let's just add in the Vikings and Kirk Cousins in prime time and a valuable number that we're getting the Vikings with. And just being like, okay, we're gonna, we're really just gonna do this. We're gonna bet the Lions on Thanksgiving. We're gonna bet the Cowboys on Thanksgiving, and then we're gonna bet the bet Kirk Cousins in primetime. Like that's just a thing that we're going to do. And honestly, the answer is like, yeah, because you're right. Like we know what we're getting here with the Vikings. I think by and large, right? Not a team that we want to be laying over a field goal by any stretch of the imagination, or playing a necessarily good team. But look at the Patriots, man. Like, what have the Patriots done? I watched every second of that game. And I talked about I tweeted it out. And I, I'm serious. Maybe the happiest I've been watching a sporting event when the punt return came back from, from Marcus Jones. Like, in a decade plus. Yeah. Like, honestly. We're talking like 2011 was maybe as happy of a reaction as I had. You know, speaking of, you know, shots of camera, uh, camera shots of fans. Like, there mm-hmm. should have been sort of a shot of me watching that play and waiting for a flag to get thrown, which, you know, of course felt like, <laughs> which it was almost happened. Like there was a block. My guy threw, and like I saw the time and I was like, do not throw a flag on that. <laughs> I had no, you know, uh, effect on the play whatsoever. Anyway, all that is to say market number, uh, uh it, for me is uh, not for me, but for the market is 3.9. So basically four, my number is six <laughs> in this game. And it's not like I've gone crazy on the Vikings. I just didn't really downgrade them all that much for getting housed by the Cowboys because we kind of expected that to kind of happen, right? Like that was a really mm-hmm. t- kind of tough spot off of that Bills game. You did try to talk me out of it. I know. It, it, it has more to do with the Patriots and just being like, what am I watching here with this team? Because their resume, if you will, is just based on what? Beating the Jets a couple of times, right? Jared Goff, when like all his weapons were you know, injured and out uh, on the road. Like this is different. Like the, the Vikings are going to be able to run the football on the Patriots, right? We have seen teams have success doing that. I mean, the last time we saw the Patriots in prime time, like what was so impressive about that where they couldn't figure out whether Bailey Zappi or Mac Jones should be the quarterback. And we're what, two, three weeks away from that. And I'm still not entirely sure that Mac Jones should be the quarterback over Bailey Zappi. And so, right. you know, listen, the Vikings are what they are. And, you know, we get all excited or, or, or worked up about this idea that like, Oh, they're so fraudulent and da, 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 da. As if like, we wouldn't all just take an eight and one or now eight and two record if given the opportunity. And it's like, yeah, that's why they were on home underdogs to the Cowboys. And like, that should be an indicator that we don't necessarily believe in the Vikings. 
but it doesn't mean we have to sell the Vikings in every game they play from now until the end of time, right? And so this number falling down under a field goal to two and a half, again, why is it? Is it because Christian Derrissaw is out for the Vikings? That would be an issue if he was out after like the first play, like he kind of was against Dallas. But, you know, you have some time here. He was he was out of practice last week. You've had some time to kind of figure out a plan without your left tackle. Does that mean like boots, right? Tons of boots from Kirk Cousins? Is it a bootleg festival away from Matthew Judon or whoever sort of lined up against, you know, the left tackle in this situation? You know, maybe, maybe they're just going to boot him to death. But the Patriots run defense isn't any good. So I actually expect a pretty big game out of Dalvin Cook both in the sort of screen game to, to lighten the pass rush a little bit and in purely the run game. That'll be a prop that shows up uh, on uh, my Thursday night prop column this week. Uh, and so at minus two and a half, this is probably the one that I feel strongest about, which again, great news. We just have to deal with Kirk Cousins on prime time and be bummed out about the interceptions that he throws because for some reason, nighttime makes him scared. I don't know what that's about. I hope that... You know, in the audience of all audiences, right, Thursday night, that, like, he can at least get one somewhat comfortable victory to at least kind of tamp that down. And I think the Vikings can put that, I think they're well coached enough to put, especially on the offensive side, obviously, to put him in good enough position to be able to do that on such a short line here. I'm not worried about Belichick on the short rest or, or, you know, sort of short week preparation advantage, et cetera, et cetera. The Vikings have had plenty of time. We always talk about embarrassment, right? Pros do not like to get embarrassed. The Vikings were embarrassed in that game. They will have full focus for this game for obviously the reasons that I mentioned and a few more. Yes, I will be with you hoping that Kirk Cousins is indeed not afraid of the dark. Uh, let's move on to Sunday's action, and we will start with the Bengals as a point-and-a-half favorite in Tennessee against the Titans. I know uh, there's a lot of talk. Jamar Chase might be back for this week. My fantasy team would approve of that. But, mm. you know, I don't know how – that's a tough injury to come back from and be just ready to go right away and jump back into pro football. But, hey, stranger things have happened. I have no idea what to do with this line at all. This line seems very weird to me. But the very short number and the Titans coming off – you know, they played last Thursday, so that's some extra rest for them. All these little things matter, I think, at this point of the season. Um, and I just like how the Titans play, man. I feel like once it starts to get cold, their style of play just picks up. We go back to, I know the Bengals beat them in the playoffs, but there's some stuff we could take from there. They got to Burrow a lot. I'm interested to see how this plays out, but you're giving me points with the Titans at home. I'm going to take the points. So uh, number is correct. You know, you sort of mentioned like not really sure, but like what to what to make of it. Number is correct based on how we viewed from a market standpoint, the Titans. I'm even giving the Titans a bump because you watch that game against the Packers and you're just like, all right, we got to just, you know, almost, you know, in a way this sort of means we just have to bet on the Titans every game. But it's like, I just got to bump the Titans ahead of what the market thinks because the market is missing something here. Right. But what has happened with all these other teams where the market has sort of refused to give them the credit, right? The Giants being one that we just talked about. You know, Seattle, we're sort of see what happens this week now that they've had a week off, but the last we saw them, right? People were getting surprised by the fact that they lost to Tampa Bay, which like if you had said that eight weeks before, you'd be like, what are you talking about? People are surprised that Seattle beat Tampa Bay. 
so this uh, this number is obviously a lot different than it was in the playoffs. You remember it was I think minus three or three and a half for Tennessee in the playoffs, and now this line has shifted even lower. So you're like value, value, value on the Titans here. But I think from a game standpoint, if Joe Mixon can't play here for the Bengals, as he was out with I believe a concussion, mm-hmm. uh, he's in, I think he's in the protocol um, in that Pittsburgh game. If he doesn't play and now you have Samaj P. Ryan as your sort of full-time running back, he's the better of the uh, pass catchers in that running back room. This might be a situation against a really poor Titans uh, secondary and you know pass defense that Aaron Rodgers, who self-admitted, or just admitted, I think that's probably the same thing, um, that he just absolutely was terrible. And he was. You watch that Thursday night game, he's missing wide open receivers left, right, and center. Well, those yeah. wide receivers, okay, it's one thing if Aaron Rodgers is missing those receivers. There's another thing if those receivers are Alan Lazard and, you know, Christian Watson and some of these guys that we're trying to talk ourselves into because they're getting balls thrown to them by Aaron Rodgers. But, like, what if Jamar Chase is back? And it is Jamar Chase, and it's T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd, right? It, this might be that situation where Joe Burrow just throws the ball 50 times and not because they're trailing, because that's just sort of the advantage that the – that the uh, yeah. Bengals will have over the Titans and at that point you go okay this is a lot different than facing you know Aaron Rodgers and a pretty bad Packers defense that let Ryan Tannehill kind of do whatever they wanted and you know that game I don't want to say it was close necessarily but like it was still in the balance despite the fact that the Packers let Ryan Tannehill he had what four passing completions the entire game like you if we want to just believe that Ryan Tannehill is that that he is 27 23 out of 27 or 26 out of 30 like he yeah. is that quarterback all of a sudden okay then then that's fine however like i watched them go down 10 nothing to the broncos two weeks ago at home like they are capable of not playing well it just so happens that they're playing the matt ryans and the russell wilsons of the world who are just getting sacked constantly now you mentioned like yeah joe burrow got sacked constantly last year 10 sacks i believe it was they won the game anyway. That has yep. been part of the this, this sort of recipe. Like you want to talk about Titans kind of making it work despite sort of troubles. The Bengals do the exact same thing. They make it work despite the fact that they are behind the chains a lot of times, right? So I just think this is a situation where like the Bengals are going to throw the ball a lot. If Jamar, I mean, obviously we need to know whether Jamar Chase is going to play before we fire away here on the Bengals, but anything under a field goal with Jamar Chase back, which it might be because if Joe Mixon is out, maybe we'll be, you know, see people res- resident. Resident? Oh, whatever. Um, <laughs> I got you. Why am I, I not saying you. that word correctly? Uh, well, reticent. Thank you. I'm right there with it, everybody. Uh, we might we might see that the that the uh, odds makers aren't uh, reticent to make them a three point favorite. I got uh, you. Because people are gonna be like, "Oh, Titans plus three. Like I'm all about that, right? Like I can't imagine that going that high. So I think this is going to stay under a field goal. And I think at that point, like the Bengals have to be the play here because I think they can do what they need to do to win this game. And it honestly kind of works out from a uh, throw heavy standpoint here for the Bengals. Ooh, okay. Okay. I feel like I've been probably disrespecting the Bengals a little bit here and like, you know, because the start of the season, there was a lot of talk about the Bengals falling off and the Bengals, you know, as you're looking for the team, that's not going to be back. Cause there's always one team that was in the Super Bowl, then sucks. Sure. And I think we kind of know which team that is yeah. at this point of the season, which we might not have been sure early on. So you know what? We're doing this live right now. I am going to 
switch this pick right now. And I'm going to say that I will be switching to the Cincinnati Bengals. And because also I need the positive vibes with my guy Jamar Chase to play. And I'd rather have him come back in the lineup and be happy at having them at minus one and a half than whatever it might go to (laughs) if it does go up. So with that said, the pick switched to the Cincinnati Bengals minus one and a half on the road in Tennessee. Let's go. We will keep things moving here to our next game, which is the Bucks at the Browns. Bucks on the road and favored by three and a half points. The Browns, or sorry, pardon me, Tampa Bay coming off a bye after their big win in Germany. The Browns got waxed in Miami last week. Seems like a lot of points. I don't really like the hook, but I feel like this might be the momentum building time for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers where they start to, you know, get ready for the playoffs and start rolling into high gear in their crappy division and just take charge of that. So I normally would not be liking taking the hook here, but I'm on the Bucks and the three and a half points just coming off the bye week. Browns are just ready for the QB who I will not name to return. I det- I just detest this game. I really do, right? Like, especially now that we're at the hook here. Because, yeah, all the things you say are correct. And, like, God knows, like, the Browns have been rough the last two weeks. You mentioned the Miami blow, but they also got worked over by Buffalo last week in Detroit. True. And so the problem here is, like, the, the ratings for these teams have been so, for lack of a better term, janky over the last few weeks that they've played, right? We talked you know, two weeks ago about Tampa Bay getting an all-time low rating, being just sort of two-and-a-half-point favorites in uh, Germany against the Seahawks. And so, okay, like, are we working them back to, you know, how far closer to where they were at the start of the season? Are we working them back from a rating standpoint? And then, of course, we talked two weeks ago about the Browns. That line against the Dolphins was one of the craziest lines of the year that they were some, you know, you could somehow get Dolphins minus three and certainly three and a half in uh, in Miami. And, like, this just goes to show why that line was crazy. We talked about how it was crazy sort of looking back at the Cincinnati Monday Night Football game where they were three and a, you know, same line here, right, where they were three and a half point underdogs to Cincinnati. Now they're three and a half point underdogs here at home to the Bucks, and then somehow they were only three and a half point underdogs on the road to Miami. Like that was just so wacky. So the point of that, all of this is to say like the market rating, putting those point spreads into the mix here has this a kind of a pick them, right? Like, cause again, we had a really low rating on Tampa last we checked and a really sort of weirdly high rating on the Browns, you know, two games ago. And so that's obviously not accurate. Right. And so how do we find ourselves at three and a half. Well, we have to obviously make a pretty significant boost to the Bucks. Let's get them up to say like 5960, which if we believe that they are going to turn things around here, that does make some sense. And having just watched the the Browns get housed for the last couple of weeks, I think it's pretty fair to say we can knock them down to like a 40. And so that's how we've gotten to this number at 3 3 and a half, right? It has moved from 3 to 3 and a half. And so All that is to say, like, with those adjustments, it's fair. Now, both teams could kind of revert back to where they were literally, what, three games ago? And the Browns could be live to win this game. They could be certainly live to cover, especially with the hook. Like, that would be totally reasonable to me. And I don't know how the Browns feel about the aforementioned, unmentioned quarterback that's sort of coming, you know, to save what day, right? Like, the record is what the record is. Like, it's kind of, the season's already kind of shot here. So, you know... I just, all this to say is like, 
best of luck out there. Like, I, I guess I would lean to plus three and a half here. And honestly, because the rating is so janky, like I actually kind of prefer the money line with the Browns because if things are so out of whack, right? If you do get, you know, a good effort out of the Browns and the Bucks do sort of revert back to like, honestly being the team that they have been outside of what, one half against Seattle in Germany, like if those two teams sort of revert to back where they are, especially with the Browns being at home and not in Miami and not in Detroit, then a money line of plus over 150, 150, 160, 170 here, like that starts to become a little bit interesting here. Mm -hmm. So this might be kind of an all or nothing type of thing with the Browns. I also don't like this pick by me on the Tampa Bay Bucks, just based off the old, like, you know, home dogs and it's getting points above a field goal. It is like you got to be very, very confident in the road team, which I'm not. Right. <laughs> do, do you know what I mean? Yeah. So this one, this one's an easy flip for me. I will say on air as well that I'm saying on air as if I'm not talking on air, but you know what I'm trying to say here? Yeah. This is an easy flip because at the end of the day as well, there are certain principles that as the season continues, you got to stick to and get back to basics and realize that there's certain things that they just, they just gift you at certain points, if that makes sense. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, like, listen, the Browns are home dogs for a reason, right? The perception is that they are not good enough to be even sort of a pick em or a favorite to what is, again, from a perception standpoint, a really good team. But mm -hmm. again, perception, reality, perception, reality here. Like, are we positive the Bucks are that good of a team? And are we positive that the Browns just didn't have a couple of bad games on some, you know, kind of bad matchups here? Yeah, which against the by the way the Bills offense and the Dolphins offense, like we're gonna beat we're gonna beat the Buck, uh, excuse me, the Browns up about like getting beat up by those offenses. Ooh. That's a good flip there. I like that flip. That's a very good flip. Three flips so far, and we're still very early on in the pod. I like how this is rolling. I like how this is rolling. Feeling some good vibes here on this pod right now. I like it. Uh, speaking of good vibes, we're going to take a turn here on said good vibes because we're going to talk about the Bears and the Jets. Mm. <laughs> and the Bears are in New York. Jets are somehow favored by four and a half points. And I'm assuming this has to be a, a Justin Fields banged up line because I don't understand how the Jets can be favored by four and a half points against anyone when they could barely score four and a half points in a game. <laughs> So I don't know. I need you to talk me into this one because I'm on the Bears here. Unless unless it comes out that Justin Fields is really, really hurt and that could be a big problem for them. I don't know. So as much as I detested the last game, I love, I love this game. I okay. love this game that this game exists. I love this is the stuff that like if you sort of handicap football and like are into point spreads and all of that stuff and markets and all that kind of whatnot. Like, this is the stuff that is, like, catnip, basically. You are on to something. Yeah, I do not think that Justin Fields is playing in this game. They've talked about how he's day-to-day, -day, but he also could miss the rest of the season. What? <laughs> like, okay. Sure. That sounds that sounds like some, yeah, never mind. I was gonna I was gonna go off on a on a bit of a tear there. But what's happening here is like you're right, because this number at four and a half isn't the Justin Fields healthy, you know, everybody's sort of fine line. It isn't the you know, Zach Wilson is the quarterback line either, right? Because that line would be about two and a half, right? Does two and a half make a lot more sense to you? You know, minus you know, Jets minus three, does that make a lot more sense to you? You know, it probably does. And so immediately you have to go like, 
Well, okay, why is it four and a half? Like you've done. Really proud at you, you know, proud of you for the exercise there of being like, yeah, I don't think Justin Fields is going to be involved in this game because that's why this line is four and a half. The fun thing in all of this is one, we have to figure out what that means for the Bears going one way, right? Like, you know, for those who don't know, Trevor Simeon is the backup quarterback for the bears right so that's problematic for the bears rating which again by the way like wasn't all that high to begin with so you sort of have to go like okay well cool justin fields is out problem is it wasn't all that high to begin with because of the defense of the bears right like justin fields was the one who was like keeping their rating up at 39 let's say (laughs) right so who do the bears become if trevor simeon is out right with that defense don't they become the houston texans a team that by the way earlier on in the season they played a three-point game with at home with a healthy justin fields pre them allowing him to run the ball a lot but still so like yeah they actually might be that bad if he's out then you go and you're like okay well the jets why is their rating essentially the same as the bears rating for me Right. I had them at about a 39. And you're like, yeah, but Zach Wilson, man, like he's so bad. And you're like, yeah, but in this case, the defense is the pro. Right. And you go, they are this good because the defense is really, really good. And it's the one thing that's sort of scaring me about the Vikings and the Patriots game because maybe the Jets defense is so good that that's why Mac Jones has looked terrible in two of the last mm. three games that he's played. But I digress. So the point is, you go, well, let's, for the, Bears, you go, it's a catastrophe if Justin Fields doesn't play from a rating standpoint. For the Jets, if Zach Wilson doesn't play, like it can't get any worse. So it has to kind of literally stay where it is or move up. Now, if it was Joe Flacco, we'd be like, yes, that has to be a move up. Joe Flacco was throwing the ball 40 to 50 times earlier on the season, right? That's what they, you know, helped them get, you know, sort of cooking to start the year. But it's Mike White. And we have seen good Mike White, and we have seen terrible Mike White. We have seen both of these sort of additions, right? And one of the the good version of Mike White was pre-injury. I believe it was last year, if not two years ago, mm-hmm. where he had a really good game. They won. They went on the road against the Colts, and he actually, I think he threw a touchdown pass and like got hurt on the touchdown pass, or certainly very short shortly after. And then when he came back off that injury, they're like, let's put Mike White back in. It was like, oh, yeah, Mike White's not actually <laughs> good. So... The thing here is, like, it's not like the Jets are replacing their sort of young quarterback to teach him a lesson, which they are doing, but they're not doing it with an eye on being like, well, if we lose, it's not that big a deal because we're looking for a draft pick. They're not. They're in contention here, right? They have six wins, unbelievably. They're in contention for the playoffs. And do you think Robert Sala is choosing the quarterback to play this week who doesn't give them the best opportunity to win or who does? And so... That's what's happening here. They are trying to win this football game. And so as long as he just kind of has the basics here, which we have seen him have in just, you know, sort of checking it down, hand the ball off, especially against a really bad defense, a really bad run defense in Chicago here. James Robinson, uh, Michael Carter should be able to have a field day here. Pardon the pun against the Bears. And again, how are the Bears going to score against this defense? The Patriots couldn't score against this defense at home with like a fully formed sort of functional offense with in theory of at least a decent quarterback, maybe Matt Mac Jones is. But 
what are they going to do with Trevor Simeon? Like we have seen Trevor Simeon's work, right? And it's not like, oh, well, at least he's got a like army of weapons around him. Like that's not really it either. This game has like 20 to six written all over it. And that, and six might even be a stretch here. I think as crazy as it sounds, like you have to lay the points with the Jets because the one thing that you're sort of afraid of with the Jets is taken out. And the one thing you're afraid of with the Bears is taken out of this game. Yeah, and the the big thing for me, people watching, we got the card out again. We're making a switch here. We're on the Jets minus four and a half. The biggest thing for me here is this Vegas zone four and a half. I, I'm saying that in the middle of the season, I need to be reminded of a lot of the principles that come back. And one of those things is that Vegas zone minus four and a half tells me Vegas doesn't know what's going to happen. Meaning the line, they put the line at that number and someone's going to get blown out and it's not going to be the jets because they have a good defense and the bears, as you mentioned, we, we sniffed this one out. We sniffed this one out, right? Yeah. Like the Justin Fields line, this doesn't make sense. Yeah, and, and that's and that's the other point too, right? You put it at four and a half because it's an easy move to six when Fields gets uh, ruled out of this game. And it's an easy move to three if for some reason they start him. But by the way, like even if they are dumb enough to start him, and again, the Bears are in a different position. They are not in contention. Yeah. For all of the excitement over Justin Fields, they lost against the Falcons. They lost against the Lions. This isn't a team you know, who's sort of still in the mix here. There is zero reason for them to play Justin Fields honestly the rest of the season but yeah. certainly this week so that we got to grab this while you can before it goes to six and at last check he is practicing today which I mean it's Wednesday and that means absolutely nothing right and, but... yes and couldn't be more fake even when I mean I've had this rant before right but when people talk about guys missing or practicing on Wednesday when they have Sunday games I like complete waste of time especially <laughs> this late in the season like you know what does right. that even mean right yeah. like means he nothing. walked onto the field yeah yeah um. yeah or guys <laughs> like vet days like it happens all the time in november and december and people are like well he didn't practice on wednesday and it's like mm, yeah but why would you so anyway. totally totally agree loving the vibe of the of the pod so far we're clicking we're moving we're making picks we're changing picks we're getting information I love this. I love where we're at right now. So let's keep this vibes, the good vibes moving here with the Ravens at the Jags. The Jags are at home and four-point underdogs at home to a Ravens wow. team that, you know, kind of squeaked by last week against the Panthers. Like, that wasn't a pretty victory. They won. It, it, it wasn't pretty at all. No. Meanwhile, the Jags coming off a bye last week and – one of the principles I love taking teams coming off the bye. I love taking teams that are home dogs at more than a field goal. Yeah. This one's just begging me to take the Jags plus four. Do you agree, my friend? I, uh, I, okay. if okay. you would ask me this on Monday, I would say no. Okay. But I've, I've flipped on this game. Okay. Because I'm here's the listening. thing. So, Here's the breakdown. This is what I, this, you know, fundamentals of like what I do, if you will, right? So, you know, Sunday night rolls around, Sunday evening, if you will, rolls around. You go, okay, what are the opening lines here? What can we hit? What should be, you know, what, you know, should this number be this? And why this shouldn't, you know, be that, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, Baltimore open minus three and a half. Mm -hmm. uh, that my number was four and a half. Even some, you know, there's some even five elements that I could, I could, you know, get away with or, or the market I think could get away with. So I bet Baltimore minus three and a half. Like, 
instant okay. move. Like I'm going to get closing line value on this line moves to four. I don't know if it did. It made a cameo at four and a half or not. There aren't really any sort of injury elements to this that would sort of shake things up a little bit. Okay. As we talk about a lot of the time, like when I think a line is going to move, whether it does so on Monday or whether it does, it waits all the way till Sunday. A lot of the time it kind of ends up there, even if the bet doesn't necessarily win. I'll use Cincinnati and, and Pittsburgh as the example for last week where we talked about, I think it was four and a half when we came on the show on Wednesday, had it been five. So this number to me is closer to three, three and a half. It closed in between three and three and a half, right? Hmm. So I wouldn't be shocked if this went up to four and a half. Okay. That being said, Again, I had Carolina plus 13. I had them 13 and a half in the Circa Millions contest. I was sweating that because Carolina could not do anything offensively with Baker Mayfield, which, by the way, is why Baker Mayfield's not going to be the quarterback, honestly, this week or probably any more, maybe in the league ever. And so, but the point is like, yeah, like we got away with one on a 13 to three game when we were laying 13 points. Like, thank God for the one field goal that Carolina got. Yeah. So my point is I watched that game extremely closely. And if you can defend the run and sort of, you know, curtail what Lamar Jackson wants to do, there just right now isn't a ton of weapons that you're afraid of running around on the outside. Like the injuries, we always talk about injuries and how like people react to injuries the week after they happen, but then they kind of forget that X player and Y player and whatever player are out. It's kind of the situation with the Ravens right now. Like until they get like something better than just Kenyon Drake at running back until they get something just better. I'm not that Mark Andrews isn't awesome, but like his yardage total every week is 45. Like yeah. it's not like we're like, Oh, Mark Andrews is out there. goes a hundred yards of production. Sure. Sometimes, but like his average is kind of around 50. And so like, yeah, he's a little bit scary on a down to down basis, but like, who's the guy who I'm supposed to be, you know, quote unquote terrified of right. Hollywood Brown gone right from last season's team like there just kind of isn't that guy and so you're right you go okay jacksonville has a week to prepare like it just sort of you know now kind of get that that feeling where you go like i think the jags might win this game yeah because you know the ravens not to say that they're sort of due for a loss but we all just kind of assume this like easy schedule that they have look they just have this team that team it's like no they're not going to win all of these games and like the Jags have a good enough defense that they can kind of control what Baltimore does. And honestly, maybe Trevor Lawrence has kind of a nice game here coming out of the bye week against a team that, you know, we get excited about the elements that the that the Ravens have added to their defense. But it's not like Baker Mayfield was going to take, you know, he didn't basically didn't take any shots deep down the field. I think Trevor Lawrence actually will because he's got a couple of guys who are willing to go get it in Jones and Kirk, et cetera, et cetera. And honestly, Travis Etienne is the best sort of offensive skill position player outside of Lamar Jackson, of course, on the field. So like, yeah, I think the Jags are actually like pretty live to win this game. And I think this is why we haven't seen this go to four and a half because maybe the Jags are getting a little, you know, extra because of the bye week and because sort of from a football standpoint, logically, odds makers, betters or whatever are kind of sneakily looking at this going like this might be an upset spot here. For the Ravens. So I'm going to sort of wait it out a little bit, but I'm probably coming back the other way on Jacksonville plus four. Four and a half would be amazing. Leave myself open to, you know, catching a middle there if it lands on four. Yes, let's go. Uh, Sheldon says we'll stick in here with the Jags plus four. Um, interested to hear what you got on our next game, though. Chargers, four and a half point favorites in Arizona. I'm going to be on the Chargers in this game, and a lot of it 
is because of one. I mean, you got the cards on a short week. They played on Monday night, but I also yeah. watched a bit of that game. <laughs> and uh, you might say the cards kind of quit. And I don't like yeah. throwing that out about professional players, but yep. there's a George Kittle. I don't know if it, I can't remember if it was his first or second touchdown, but he's running up the yeah. sideline. And one yeah. of the DBs comes up and has a chance to make a tackle at the yeah. five. Yeah. And he just pulls up. Yeah, hard pass play. business decision type stuff. Yeah, straight business decision. And I'm watching that and thinking, okay, I understand you're getting rolled. I understand all the things that are going on, but I mean, yeah, Kirk, Mr. Kingsbury, your time might be up, my dude. Um, and in the meantime, between time, give me the Chargers minus four and a half. I'm Herbert. That performance they put up against the Chiefs, what, I mean, what more do you want from my dude? <laughs> he did all he could. I mean, he covered for us. Cool. But, like, yeah. what more do you want from my dude? That was a great performance. I have no problem laying four and a half points with Herbert against this sad sack cards team. You never have to try to talk me uh, into Justin Herbert. You <laughs> never have to try to talk me out of Cliff Kingsbury. Except kind of this week. Oh, the, like here's a. I'm here. I don't really want anything to do with this. The reality is, though, market number was two and a half. Mm-hmm. That was sort of the look ahead in a lot of places. Opened uh, three and a half, and that was before the Monday night game. People watched the Monday night game like yourself, and the line went up to four and a half. And like, yeah. isn't that just kind of like the textbook mm-hmm. way this works to create value? Right? We all watch a team Correct. stink, get called quitters on Monday night against, by the way, like a team who's going to hit you in the face with Debo and Ayuk and obviously Christian McCaffrey in the run game. And I haven't even got to George Kittle yet. And that, and like you mentioned the business decision there. And so it's sort of a team that's very easy to quit against because you just get sick of getting hit in the mouth. Whereas the chargers do it a little bit differently, right? Like it's Mm -hmm. not, you know, you're not that afraid of, Austin Eckler hitting you in the mouth 25 times. In fact, you'd love it if they ran the ball 25 times. So instead you're working off of like a pat, a more pass defense type game plan, right? Where you're worried about, you know, Herbert, et cetera, et cetera. Mike Williams goes out. Don't think we're going to see him for a little while here, right? He played, you know, essentially caught one ball and then went out with that ankle injury. I don't think he's going to be back. You know, we're, we always feel like we're on kind of borrowed time with Keenan Allen's availability. Josh Palmer has been great in, in kind of coming back here. But like, again, is that because he's a guy who's catching passes from Justin Herbert, you know, or is he just a guy? Right. And so I look at this and I just go, man, that's four and a half points. And if it were all so easy, this line move would be, you know, six, seven, whatever, because yeah, everybody's going to look at this and be like, man, that Cardinals team and and Kingsbury are just absolute garbage. But like, it gets us back to the situation of like, we are laying points with the chargers. Like, remember that deal, right? Like it's fun in games when they are plus seven, seven and a half against San Francisco and put a really good performance together. It's fun in games and they're plus six plus five to the chiefs. And you know, that rivalry game is going to be big by the way, right? Like they're coming off of a pretty rough game as well. And like, Mm -hmm. yeah, that was Sunday night. So we're talking about Monday night versus Sunday night, you know, travel, you know, elements obviously going on the road for the chargers like that probably took a lot out of them knowing now that they're like, they have no shot to win the division and they're now scrapping it out with the jets and the Patriots of the world to even just make the playoffs and just make a wild card. 
And so like, yeah, we're now going to just trust Brandon Staley to win by margin on the road against a team that has some talent. Now, I don't know, and this is going to be sort of weird to say, I don't know if Kyler Murray is going to play. I don't know if, I can't even really tell you whether Kyler Murray is better for this Cardinals team than Colt McCoy is, or that I even want Kyler Murray to play. I do sort of think, though, if Kyler Murray does play, that this line comes down. I don't even know if that's correct or not. Yeah. I just kind of go, like, give me the Cardinals plus four and a half. And, like, if Murray plays, I'll kind of shrug my shoulders, go, okay. And we'll see the line come down potentially. We certainly wouldn't Mm -hmm. see it go up. And we go, all right, fine. You know, I don't know that this line can go any higher if it's like Colt McCoy's back, because honestly, I think Colt McCoy has, I don't think we're blaming Colt McCoy for that game on uh, on Monday. They were, they were certainly in that game for the first couple of quarters, but like you said, right, you get hit in the mouth a bunch of times, you kind of, you know, sort of hard pass it towards the end. You know, it's not the same defense. The Chargers don't have the same defense that the 49ers do, where they're going to definitely dominate the line of scrimmage, even against a pretty bad offensive line for for the cardinals but like yeah i realize that you know it's like all the thanksgiving games i realize i'm gonna be sitting there going like i backed cliff kingsbury in november like what am i doing <laughs> but like these aren't secret trends yeah, right yeah, like yeah. these are these are trends we're that all the watching the same stuff we're all watching the same stuff and we're all betting into the same stuff and on the same concept right and so maybe that's where all the value is this week with all these sort of combinations of teams playing that just you know make you want to bet on the Patriots that make you want to bet on the Chargers when in reality the value is headed the other direction. Yeah, this is a super tough one, and you almost, 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 almost had me switching this pick as well, but I I can't like the the Kingsbury stuff and the, and the, it just got to come to a head at some point. And the Chargers, I know, I don't want to be in this position laying four and a half points on the road. I definitely don't. I just need to see some form of life from the cards before I'm relying on them to do anything here. You know, but um, honestly, like, let's not forget they won the week before. You totally. Know what I mean, this isn't totally. like, oh, they've lost five straight games here and like, blah, 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 right? They won convincingly. Listen, it was the Rams. They might be the worst team in the league at this point, which is obviously a line we'll get to here shortly. But like, you know, mm-hmm. signs of life. That was one, but like there's we probably will, a lot of teams who aren't going to have a ton of signs of life against the 49ers this year. And and that point we will get to very <laughs> shortly for sure. My thoughts on the San Francisco 49ers. Um, before we get there, though, the Raiders at the Seahawks. Seahawks at home, three and a half point favorites. Uh, the Raiders, they finally got a win. You know, it's been a while. Win one <laughs> in OT. Uh, yeah. Russ, I'm pretty sure helped them out a little bit there, but Let's not get go too far into that. Meanwhile, Gino and the Seahawks coming off the bye week, the three and a half points. I don't like it. Again, we're talking about the hook and laying points and getting the hook and all that, and I do not like it at all. I'm leaning Seattle here, but this is one where <laughs> I will definitely easily be, be swayed. I mean, it's just a Vegas zone festival out there this week. It guys. is. I don't like it. It's, I don't like it's it. It's brutal. I just, yeah, give me a plus six and a half. Give me a pick em type of game, a minus two and a half. Like, I'll, I'll, I'll go to war. Vegas four- is coming for our Nexus week. <laughs> yeah, what? I'll go to war with 16 of those. But all of these, like, tantalizing, like, take the points. You know you want to. Here's the hook. They're just handing out hooks left, right, and center here on these threes and fours. My numbers come to four with Seattle. So, like, technically some value here. That's before I even factor in, like, give them a little bump because they're rested. We could, you know, I wouldn't have been surprised Mm -hmm. to see four and a half, even 
five in this game. And so like, there's that weird element of like, that kind of concerns me about like what we might see out of Vegas. But like, this is a team that we thought had quit, you know, again, like a couple of weeks ago, which mm-hmm. again, lends us, you know, the reminder that when you think a team has quit, like, they probably, ha- they, they probably haven't, right? Like, yeah. it's just that like, doesn't really happen. Like, in one game, and one play, at the end of the game, where you're down three touchdowns, and you don't feel like running into a rock in, in George Kittle, okay. But as far as game planning and being a professional, like, they still have Max Crosby, they still have Derek Carr, they still have Devontae Adams, right? And so, like, the part of me that's a little bit concerned here about the Seahawks is, is, like, we just talked about how they were overrated in Germany against the Buccaneers. And before that, it was, you know, what was essentially a tie game for a really long time at home against the Giants, Mm -hmm. a team that, again, we saw their sort of dip coming. And, you know, losing to the Saints and, okay, great, you beat the Lions and, you know, you knocked off the Chargers and all of these sort of teams that, like, on a week-to-week basis, like, no one's really trusting. And so, like, this is another one that I'm not, like, really dying to bet because I don't really want the Raiders because you could easily talk me into the fact that they are feeling way too good about themselves having just beat the Broncos and like and celebrating an overtime win and now they're just going to go up to Seattle walk in there and play a competitive game uh, you know make it's a tough spot and like yeah Seattle should be waiting for them and you know again the Raiders defense isn't great so yeah this is probably going to be a bet for me on Seattle just based on the numbers but like I almost prefer that this line be a little bit higher so I could be a little more convinced that you know everybody sort of feels good about the Seahawks but apparently we've no, we've downgraded them such off of that loss to the Bucks that maybe this three and a half line does make sense and maybe this is time to buy back on Seattle that seems quick to all of a sudden be <laughs> buying back on Seattle after everybody was loving them just two weeks ago but maybe that loss lingers Hey, things move quickly in the NFL. Things sure move do. quickly on the pod as well. We keep things moving here. We're both on the Seahawks, or both at least leaning on the Seahawks in three and a half points. Uh, keep it moving, though, with the Saints at the San Francisco 49ers, the aforementioned San Francisco 49ers, who are nine and a half point favorites at home against the Saints. This is a lot of points that I just cannot bring myself to take with the San Francisco 49ers. But what I was alluding to earlier is that my thoughts on the cards is a lot based on like just the, the, the Niners are getting a lot of love right now. And don't get me wrong. I think they're, they have offensive weapons. It's great. We already know what their defense is capable of, but I think they're getting a lot of juice right now. Nine and a half points is a lot of points. And maybe this is just me as a hurt Niners fan that is just seeing the Jimmy Garoppolo pick when you need it or the toss with his left hand when you need it, all that fun stuff. I just can't lay nine and a half points with the Niners here. I can't do it, but maybe I just have a hate on for Jimmy G and the eventual downfall a disappointment that will eventually come in the playoffs, which has nothing to do with right now. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm just telling you that I'm a scarred fan. Okay. Fun exercise, fun exercise for my scarred 49ers fan friend here. You ready? Mm-hmm. If the 49ers were playing at home to the Miami dolphins, what would you make the line? Ooh, I would make the line. It'd be under a field goal. Niners would be favored by under a field goal. So they play next week. Mm-hmm. And the look ahead line is four and a half right now for the Niners. For the Niners. 
it's too many points. And that's and so so as sort of a fundamental, like where how does the market feel about a team exercise? Uh -huh. You look at that and you go, okay, that's too many points. And so obviously, you know, you get into the the, the uh, Saints situation here, nine, nine and a half. There's some tens out there. Then you get into kind of a nebulous region from a point spread standpoint. But that indicates, yeah, like the ratings kind of gotten off the rails a little bit here for the 49ers. Now they covered last week that, you know, a, as a 10 point neutral site favorite, not a spot that you, your guy Shanahan is usually, you know, just gobbling up ATS victories in. No, we saw them get out to seven and a half, even some eights popping against the chargers the week before. And, you know, part of that was like, okay, well maybe it's because the chargers have a ton of injuries. Honestly, it might just be because people like love the 49ers, right? Like they're the hot team. People are talking about like, are they the best team in the NFC? Are they the best team in the league with sort of like some disappointing efforts here from the Bills, obviously, in a, you know, two out of the last three weeks. And so, yeah, this is at some point a sell high situation. Now, does that sell high situation come after they win by 10 or more points? And they are four and a half or five point favorites against Miami, you know, next week in a game that like I'm already very excited about. Mm -hmm. Maybe, or maybe it's this week where, okay, they have a comfortable victory. We saw last week with Buffalo and Cleveland, like comfortable victories do not necessarily equate to point spread covers. I grabbed this at 10. I think I paid an extra three cents. There was some plus 10, minus 113. If it ever hit that again, like that's where I would bet this. This is a Saints team. They are not great. Their defensive line is in shambles. Their offensive line is in a little bit of shambles as well. But they are still sort of functional in that they have a couple of guys who can play, right? Mm -hmm. They have a quarterback who... He's yeah, functional. He is functional. Yeah, you don't want you're not dying, you're not hoping he wins this game, but I mean again at plus what 350 on the money line, maybe you are, and who knows, between now and then we find some Jameis Winston in our lives. And if you ever wanted like an underdog like could be way up here, could be, you know, down here type of situation, Jameis Winston is definitely that dude. So like <laughs> maybe this is that situation. So you've got some guys here who can play, who can kind of keep the game close if you will. And so, yeah, I kind of think I'm with you with the plus 10. Like the last couple of games, Sunday nighter here, a Mexico Monday nighter there, right? Like the afternoon game against the Saints, a little bit of a sleepier situation here, right? Where, mm -hmm. you know, this might be a little bit of a comeback to earth situation. And honestly, comeback to earth might be win by seven points, which like every NFL team in the world will take that on any given week. Totally, totally, totally. I'll take that as a Niners fan. <laughs> yeah. Let's keep it going. The Texans at the Dolphins. Dolphins, 13-point favorites at home. And I don't like laying that many points. We know the constant theme I always bring up is the double-digit spreads and what we think of all that fun stuff. But there's a QB controversy going on with the Texans. Lots going on there, and it's not good. Yeah. Meanwhile, the Dolphins' offense is just cooking with grease right now. Uh, under two touchdowns. You could talk me into that. So I'm laying the 13 points with the Miami Dolphins against the Texans here. So if we had just not talked about this game, like would anyone have noticed? You know what I mean? Like any listener to the podcast, and like, wait a second. They didn't have a take on Texans Dolphins. It's true. <laughs> we could have skipped it entirely, which I would love to do. Because listen, I'm not taking the Texans plus 13 at this point. Not with Kyle Allen potentially in the mix. <laughs> to start like i've been down the kyle allen road and honestly that maybe kyle allen's music yeah he might play 
and he might play okay, and he might get the ball out to the places he needs to get the ball out to. Cool, okay? When are the Dolphins getting stopped by the Texans, especially without Derek Stingley Jr.? Because as much as the quarterback, you know, controversy here, is Davis Mills, you know, done? Is he out for this game? Whatever, whatever. I care more about whether Stingley plays than I do anybody, you know, whatever the rostered quarterbacks are for the Texans. Because, like, it's obvious. Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell and Trent Sherfield now is the third receiver that gets absolutely no attention. Former 49er came over with uh, Mike McDaniel. Like, best of luck to the Texans secondary getting, like, next to no pressure against Tua. Like, just hard pass on this. And so, yeah. I mean, if you have to, it's Miami minus 13 here, I suppose. I looked at it when it was, it was, you know, 11 and a half, 11. There's some sort of juiced up 11s on the open. And it was one of the rare instances where I was like, yeah, maybe I should just hit the Dolphins right now. And I would have gotten probable closing line value if I had. I didn't sort of have the guts to do it. I certainly don't have the guts to take the Texans in this game. Uh, best of luck <laughs> to everybody who wants, who wants a bet on this game. But you can absolutely pass on this and probably not miss a beat. I can't tell you that I would like to make a bet on the next game either. Um, but yet here we are. And it's a familiar thing because it is another double digit spread. You got the Rams at the chiefs chiefs, 14 and a half point favorites. I don't really want to bet on this game. You could have talked me into the same thing that I just said in the last one. If this was at 13, but of course it's a chiefs. So it's not going to be at 13. It's going to be at 14 and a half and at 14 and a half. I don't know what, like, whatever give me the rams plus 14 and a half in this game if the chiefs cover cool but i could see them just you know yucking it up on the sidelines not caring and we'll be sitting here disappointed by the backdoor cover so why be disappointed just let the backdoor cover do what it does and cover the 14 and a half points let's go rams let the backdoor cover do what it does i like it I can't disagree with you. So, but we do need to talk about the Rams from a rating standpoint, right? Like what yes. their rating was with Cup and Stafford, that was around a 51. That was probably too high because we have watched the Rams play and they stink even with those two guys, right? Cup goes out and then a Stafford gets sort of announced that, okay, he is going to play against the Saints. And for whatever reason, we decided as a society, apparently, that the Rams are only two and a half points to two points even, underdogs to the Saints, and that apparently Cooper Cup only essentially means two points to a point spread. That would have been a pick if he had played. What right. happens? The Saints win relatively comfortably. Now, it got a little dicey because Matthew Stafford went out in that game, and they brought in Bryce Perkins, former quarterback at Virginia, who was really fun to bet on because he is super mobile. And Dennis Allen, for a while there, didn't seem to really understand how to defend a mobile quarterback. And it was like he had to like dust off a playbook from like years before or something at halftime or going into the fourth quarter in order to stop Bryce Perkins. So we knocked the, the Cooper Cup-less Rams down to about a 44 type of a situation. And now they are without either guy. So where do the Rams go now that they are without Stafford and without Cup? How do we get to 14 and a half? Well, we have to get lower than 30 out of 100 when it comes to the Rams as a team with Perkins. Now, again, you're looking around, you're going like, hey, it's Perkins. He's handing the ball off to Cam Akers. He's throwing to Van Jefferson. Like, yeah, okay, that feels a little Texan-y to me as well. But what Perkins can do, 
with a week of sort of game planning and sort of dusting off, you know, the Rams version of a, you know, mobile quarterback type uh, type game is obviously he can run the football and he can provide a different element, sort of like Malik Willis a couple of weeks ago. Now, Perkins has been in the league longer than Malik Willis. He has gotten preseason playing time, right? So, and, and a large bit of it because the Rams don't use Stafford at all in the preseason. So he and John Walford, and even John Walford hasn't really played all that much in the preseason for fear of injury. Perkins is playing a ton, right? And so, okay, I imagine they have a bunch of plays, a bunch of Perkins plays, if you will, <laughs> right? Now, they don't have the run game that the Titans did against the Chiefs, but we're also not asking them to win the game. We're not asking them to push it to overtime. We're not asking them to lose by three. We're not even asking them to lose by one possession. We are asking them to lose by two full touchdowns here at plus 14 and a half. So maybe the rating makes sense where you kick them down to a 29 and you've got the Chiefs up at about a 75 out of 100. And now you've got yourself a 14 and a half point spread here because in theory, people aren't going to want anything to do with the Rams. But you and I are sickos. We will take the Rams here, plus 14 and a half. We are going to hope that they can make this some sort of 27 to 13 type of game. The defense can hold up just enough to force a couple of field goals. You know, maybe something along the lines of maybe they score 30 and the Rams have 10, but they still have a couple of drives left on the back door. And we get that same sort of same old Chiefs element where they kind of phone in the fourth quarter and get a touchdown or two put on them late with a Bryce Perkins who's like he's going to put in effort. He is going to want to show something and he can do more than just your standard backup quarterback who kind of like runs a few plays, hopes the guys are in the right position. He can at least kind of make some moves when things aren't, you know, when things are breaking down, when people yeah. aren't in the right position. No, for sure. Totally love that. Totally enjoying. Well, I mean, I won't watch much of that game at all, but <laughs> let's be honest here. Enjoy, you'll enjoy it conceptually at this point. I'll enjoy looking at my fantasy team with Patrick Mahomes and seeing what he does. How about that? There you go. Uh, Falcons at the Commanders. Uh Commanders favored by four and a half points. And what is with these four and a half point spreads? I don't like it. I dislike this one as well. Why are the commanders favored by four and a half points to beat anybody? I don't understand. I don't get it. I do know Atlanta plays better at home than they do on the road. The commanders also play better at home, but I still can't get to four and a half points. I hate these four and a half point spreads this week because there's way too many of them. I am on the Falcons plus four and a half, but can be easily swayed here. So, you know, what have we figured out here from the commanders, right? It's like they they won, was against the Packers, and they kind of miracle game against Sam Ellinger and the Colts, <laughs> right? Where they complete a long pass to Terry McLaurin, he makes this crazy catch. That's how they win the game. Otherwise, they were headed for not just losing to the Colts, like not even covering as underdogs to the, the Sam Ellinger, about to be fired Frank Reich version of the Colts. Correct. Then they beat the Eagles. And we talked about this last week, bit of a fluker when it comes to the actual victory, (laughs) full value for covering that game, full value for coming up with a game plan for that game to best sort of maximize against the Eagles, right? Mm -hmm. Then they go and they get a pick six on Davis Mills to start that game against the Texans. And again, who knows what happens if he doesn't throw the pick six, but sometimes a Texans quarterback is going to throw you a pick six and things are going to go off the rails from there. They get nothing offensively, literally nothing with five yards. I think in the first half did the Texans against the commanders. Yeah. So I don't want to punch holes in like their entire season here, but like, 
you're right. How did we get to a point where like the commanders are like the homeless man's 49ers from a market perspective, where all of a sudden, like we're just rot, uh, ratcheting the, the commanders into frankly an above average team here because they don't get anything really for home field advantage, right? Like they get a, like I have them down for a half point. Maybe they get a point for home field advantage. They certainly don't get the two, two and a half that you might give, you know, Buffalo or Minnesota or Miami in the, certainly in September or Denver, for example, Seattle. I'll just keep naming teams. Um, <laughs> uh, my numbers are two, two and a half, like as the actual, what this point spread like should be. And it opened three. Yeah. So, okay, if you want to bump the commanders up further than I had them, that makes sense. If that triggers a bet for you at minus three, I would even sort of accept that as a notion. But now that we're at four and a half, like, yeah, this has to be the Falcons at yeah. plus four and a half. Like, this, this might not be the top of the market for the commanders, but it doesn't have to be the top of the market just yet for this game to be close or honestly, for the Falcons to have a chance to win the game late. Yeah, I totally agree. I, I just don't understand this line at all. And it's one of those weird ones. I'm going to look at it and look at it and look at it, and it's never going to make sense. So also not really making sense is our next game, the Broncos, who are two and a half point favorites in, in, in like, against <laughs> yeah. the Panthers. Now, yeah. here, here's the thing I don't understand here. Yeah. Okay. I just spent way too long before we recorded this podcast searching Twitter to find out if the story about Melvin Gordon being waived because following the loss last week in overtime to the Raiders, he was in the locker room blasting future music, <laughs> rapper future music in the yeah. locker room after the game, after yeah. they lost yeah. in OT and Russell Wilson kind of screwed that up. Now, if you know, you know, we don't got to deep dive into that too much, yeah, but I'm, I'm, I'm just bringing that up to say I spent way too much time trying to see if that story was actually true or not. But either way, I find it hilarious <laughs> that it is even just a thing that is being said. I like that now, that's <laughs> even a even a hypothetical because it like it has some believability in that like people within the locker room don't care for Russell Wilson. But also yeah. it was reported very early on that when he got to Denver, he got mad at the game ops for playing future songs. Yeah. Oh, for that sure. That was that was a thing yeah. that was reported. So yeah. <laughs> all I'm I would like to believe that it's because Melvin Gordon Gordon fumbles literally every game and he's <laughs> exactly, like my, he's yes. like my reliable tweet where it's like, oh, it's it is it Melvin Gordon fumbled at the honestly, unless there's no good time to fumble, but like the worst possible times right like yeah. he's a legend for that does that does that make me like the broncos a little bit more in this game honestly <laughs> sort of um but i don't like the broncos in this game like no. what I, if i'm I, like what you know like I, and i don't love sam darnold right but like i really like the panthers defense and if you're gonna okay. tell me okay. that like you want to ride with one defense or the other in this game like i rather ride with the panthers defense and sam darnold who like or, you know, Sam Darnold offensively, but like he's famous for saying that he was seeing ghosts. Russell Wilson's the one seeing ghosts out there. I mean, he is ducking on, you know, on stuff that like doesn't actually exist. Right. And so I think, you know, fundamentally it's like, okay, can the Panthers win a football game? They were never going to beat the Baltimore Ravens, but like they can beat the Falcons 
at home, for example. We can they can beat a you know honestly mediocre Tampa Bay team. Like they can win these games at home. Now again, this is kind of like some of these other games where we go it can't get any worse. It's kind of like the Jets again, ironically with Sam Darnold, where you go can the quarterback play get worse than Baker Mayfield? Can it get worse than PJ Walker? And honestly, I don't think I think the answer is no. It can't get worse. And so it's not like this this number is like oh Sam Darnold's playing so now Carolina's favored. Or Sam Darnold's playing now, it's you know, my you know, and now it's a pick 'em game. Line didn't yeah. change, right? They're all getting rated the same. And like at least there's a possibility that Sam Darnold is fractionally better than those other guys. And by the way, my number is about one and a half. So I mean, I don't think we're ever going to get three in this game. I mean, like, can you imagine? I haven't bet it because on like the dream of getting plus three in this game is like still alive in my mind, even though I like logically I know that's not gonna be the case. But you want to talk about like if the Cowboys ever went to eight and a half and the teaser legs that I would be spraying one on the other side of this, you know, on the other <laughs> side of this game, I would be absolutely firing away on Cowboys teasers with Carolina up to eight and a half Carolina Ooh. plus eight. And a half. I mean, think about it the other way, the Denver Broncos minus eight and a half on what planet would you ever, and I realize you'd be paying, you know, minus 270 or whatever but like, yeah, yeah sweet fancy moses we're you know minus 270 for plus eight and a half on carolina here oh my god anything give me any team at plus eight and a half against the denver broncos at this point no i definitely hear you there and i just think it's one of those weird weird games where i will make the switch i will make the switch it's one of these yeah. i came in here at the start of this pod first off saying that there was a lot of weird lines a lot of things I didn't like, a lot of things where I'm telling you, I'm making my pick, but I can be easily swayed. And maybe I'm just really hoping that this future story is actually true. So can <laughs> Twitter please do their job and, and validate this story for me? Like yeah, Melvin Gordon's probably trying to get a job right now, which is why he hasn't said anything or anyone else in the room hasn't said anything, right? But come on, please make that story be true. Sunday night football action. Packers at Eagles. Eagles are home favorites, seven points. I'm on the Packers. Seven points seems like a lot for an Eagles team that has won, but they haven't looked as the world beaters that people were making them out to be to start this season, despite what their record said. Meanwhile, the Packers can run the ball against the Eagles, and I feel like that's the Eagles' weakness. The Packers should know that, should be able to keep this game close. Give me the Eagle, or sorry, give me the Packers plus the points here. Yeah. So, again, back to the process of Sunday night. Uh, this number was six and a half, gobbled up the six and a half because my numbers come to seven and a half, market eight. So, like, market even higher uh, or lower on the Packers, okay. depending on how you look at it. But, like, I have this, like, slightly more even um, at uh, what I say, 7.6 is the specific number. So, at six and a half, at 7.6, like, that's just an auto bet. And we'll sort of figure things out later thinking that the line's going to move my way the line has moved my way i understand like probably unlikely that it flips all the way across seven and gets to seven and a half mm -hmm. at that point then it's kind of a neutral territory there where i go okay like i'm not getting quote unquote value on either side but i am getting sort of a team in the packers that is kind of live to at least cover some of these games right Hell yeah. Problem is like from a defensive standpoint with the packers the run defense and just honestly the defense in general like they're going to be vulnerable as hell to what the Eagles want to do here, 
right? Like if, yeah. the, if, if Tennessee can make things look really easy, you know, with play action and all of that stuff because of Derrick Henry, like Jalen Hurts is going to be able to do that and then some. Then you got, yeah. you know, Rodgers, obviously, he, you know, it's not just that like, oh, he just sucks all of a sudden. The guy's got a bandage on his hand, you know? So like whether it's bandage related or injury related, like that's why he's missing these throws. It isn't just because all of a sudden he's just not good anymore. So like, but that doesn't seem like it's going to go away. Again, maybe wait around till Sunday and we get a situation in our lives here where he the bandage is off and the line is seven and a half or something along those lines. And yeah, I'll come back on the Packers. But right now I'm sitting with an Eagles minus six and a half ticket and I've got, you know, something of value in that. I got you. I got you. And one more game we got coming here and that is Monday night football action Steelers at the Colts. Colts, two and a half point favorites. I'm going to be on the Pittsburgh Steelers. I just like how the Steelers have looked lately since coming off said bye. And it's, I know it's been a couple weeks when they've gotten a little healthier on defense and they mm-hmm. haven't won. They haven't won all their games, but they've been a little more spicy. Whereas I feel like everyone is talking a little bit more about what's going on with Jeff Saturday and company as for those who might be watching the video, good things are happening for Canada. Right now. <laughs> In the World Cup. <laughs> That's all. I got it. I love it. I appreciate it. I'm right there with you, my dude. Um, We're both like laughing and smiling while you're while you're introing this game. It's oh yeah. The, there was just a penalty called on Belgium here for uh, for Canada to go to the dot. I don't know how we actually have a conversation about uh, while this is and Colts uh, while this happens is happening. But whatever. This is you know not live necessarily but i'm i'm i will say as we're (laughs) taking this pause in the in the proceedings to discuss this canada game as alfonso alfonso davies steps up for the penalty just before the game i did make a bet on alfonso i was going to make it alfonso davies anytime goal in canada to win and then switched it to jonathan david anytime (laughs) goal in canada to win so i'm saying please score alfonso davies right but just does saying a, the stakes. Does a penalty count as a shot on goal? Because I might have a uh, Alfonso Davies shot on goal prop. That uh, I feel like it should. Why shouldn't it? Oh my god, he missed. No. Oh my god, he missed. No. Oh my god. Oh god, you're ahead of me, and I don't. Sorry. I want to like pause life right now. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, I got stopped. Oh god, I'm, I'm gonna throw up. Oh God, my bad, my bad, my bad. This was oh. a fun like interaction for people who are just going to be watching this spot <laughs> later and, on Wednesday knowing night. what already happened. Yes. Oh, God. yes. Well, eat it up folks. The pod will come out Wednesday night for those who might not oh. be aware. Cause we want to get it out for the Thursday uh, Thanksgiving <laughs> games, obviously. So Wednesday while we're taping this, the Canada game is on. So this was a great <laughs> interaction while we're recording this pod. And oh yeah, Steelers. Colts Monday night football. Yeah. I'm on the Steelers plus two and a half. Um, yeah, I just think they've looked a little bit better. A lot of hype and a lot of talk about Jeff Saturday and the Colts right now. But give me the points in the Steelers on a Monday night. Uh yeah, this number was three. Uh my number was two and a half. Long story short, I bet plus three. The line moved quickly to two and a half because mm-hmm. it should have been two and a half the whole time. Don't know why it was ever three in the first place. Maybe to drag me into betting it or and other people into betting it. I, I don't know. Uh, but yeah, so I'm sitting here with plus three. I think the Steelers obviously could win this game outright. We talk about, you know, a lot of times we talk about receivers and quarterbacks and running backs on the fast track. I don't want anything to do with the Steelers and, and, and TJ Watt on a fast track. <laughs> that defense on a fast track. 
the cornerbacks were really disappointing for me um, against Cincinnati. It seemed like they probably could have covered a little bit better against the Bengals and probably shut down some of those drives. So when I say like the defense and you look and you saw that they gave up 37 points at home against Cincinnati, like, yeah, that's a lot concerning. But honestly, it might just kind of be a situation where they might be better in the indoors, on the fast track, TJ Watt getting around a Colts offensive line, shaky. You know, we called the Colts to win that game against the Eagles last week. They had a 10-point lead and obviously had the lead for much of the game. Was that sort of the kind of last, you know, hurrah, if you will? You know, in college football, a lot of times they'll, co- they'll fire the coach halfway through the season, and then you'll get a bump for two or, three, two or three weeks where the team just plays a little bit better, but they realize they still have six, seven more games left in the season, and those last three or four games are pretty rough. Maybe that's where we're headed here with the Colts. Obviously, we like the run defense with the Colts last week against the Eagles run defense. That's probably not really the issue here. Kenny Pickett really looked very good against the Bengals for much of that game and is you know sort of getting better here um, as he progresses. I think he'll be benefiting from playing indoors against a pretty you know soft pass. Sorry. Yes. <laughs> you're, you're like at least seven seconds away. Oh, my God. Not There's quite, so much going on. We're not doing There's so they're much going on. <laughs> should be the getting, fundamental issue. They should be getting buckets. Oh here. sweet God. I'm way <laughs> That's behind what I'm you. Saying. Oh, good lord. <laughs> I don't even like I don't even care about soccer, but I know, but it's just even, like my like eleventh favorite sport. But how can we not Canada be putting yet. that in the back of the net? I don't know how that doesn't go. You know, with all due apologies to Kenny Pickett, Jeff Saturday, <laughs> Matt Ryan. Yeah, Steelers plus two and a half is my pick, man. That's where I'm at with this. Now, one what is here. that? That's a penalty. What are we doing? I mean, oh, hey. okay, yeah, let's, let's yeah. put a bow on this for God's sake. Sorry, apologies <laughs> to Jeff Saturday, but yeah, I'm, uh, I'm on the Steelers, my dude. By the plus way, plus two and a half, right? Another teaser, you know, mm-hmm. spray festival here. You know, yeah. you might want you might want to do the second game of the week Thursday afternoon. Dallas minus two and a half again if it goes to eight and a half teaser with a you know wait all the way around till monday night with a plus two and a half there well. <laughs> like plus that. eight and a half there as well i like that my dude i like that and where can the people find out even more information as right. you know maybe some live tweeting of the thursday football <laughs> action maybe some live tweeting of sunday's action and you know finding out what's going on with you on monday night in this aforementioned steelers colts game yeah. Where can people find you online, my dude? Well, 14 minutes into this game, I think I'm headed for a ditch somewhere, and I don't even really have much action <laughs> on this game. Um, at Emrus Authentic, it's on the screen. At Emrus Authentic on Twitter. Try to retweet and tweet out all the articles. They're coming fast and furious. This week, we should have three different Thursday prop articles. They haven't exactly been going great so far this season. It's the one sort of under 500 situation that we have if you categorize all of the different things, the round robin underlying money, money line parlay, the NFL best bets, the teasers, the uh, college football stuff, right? Even the NHL hockey guys going really well to start the season. The one thing that we're sort of missing here is a nice little run on Thursday props. Hopefully we hit that for Thanksgiving. All three games, three different Seinfeld episodes, back to back to back. It's like the mid 90s. Get excited about must-see TV same kind of deal there are three episodes of Seinfeld three football games three props in each game let's get nuts 
Let's get nuts indeed. And you can follow me on Twitter at Shell Alexander, on Instagram at Sheldon Alexander. And as I always say, I used to pray for times like this to rhyme like this. This is the On Blast Podcast, NFL Picks Edition. As always, unpolished and unapologetic. Until next time, see ya. Go Canada. On Blast.